You may know me from my YouTube videos. My name is Chili Spooky, and if you watch my top 10 videos, you know I sound crazy. What do you think? Do you think my voice is staged or real? It is so monotone and robotic that it's like a total surfer on total antidepressants. Welcome to episode 135 uh, plus one of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. Stick around to see if it's... real or fudged oh my god so everybody listen up this is the junk fart man meister and uh i'm here in the studio wigs what's up what have you been up to this what the hell wiggins where's wiggins well you got that right wiggins is missing and this intro music tells me we're about to find out why folks i gotta bring it to you straight wiggins is on his way to germany see germany and uh the old junkmeister i'm on my way out of town too we had some family well i had some family stuff conflict with me and wigs normal recording schedule and uh i don't think i'm gonna be able to get him over here before he heads out of the country i don't know if i'm allowed to say why he's heading to germany but let's just say it's uh not to eat the schnitzel, even though I, I told him that's what he has to go for. As a matter of fact, we got a couple of emails this week, and I think I might start out with that. But we also have a, a little bit of a, a story to tell with this week's show. And damn it, I really wish Wiggs was here because I know he'd have something to say about some of the news that we have coming up in this episode. So instead of playing more crappy uh, stingers and stuff like that, let me just tell you... Uh, bling, 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 we have uh, a piece of mail. First thing I have to mention is that uh, we got some mail from my, uh, Matt from My Motorbike Obsessions, and he wanted to know, are we going to be out at the races this weekend in industry for the Hell on Wheels uh, Hot August Nights? This is going to be the first Hog, Hog August Nogs that I miss in uh, probably about, um, I'm going to say like, I don't know, four or five years. I've gone to the last few uh, starting right about, I don't know, a year or two before I actually started the podcast. And so, uh, and the stadium steeplechases and stuff, I started hitting those up and uh, thought, wow, this would be great to have on the show. So this is going to be the first one that I actually miss, and it's going to be because I'm going to be in Virginia. Uh, which brings me to my second email. And by the way, uh, he'll be out there, but um, if he doesn't have the support of the Wigmeister or the Junkmeister, I think he might stay home. If you're going to be out there uh, this weekend, please hit him up. Or, uh, yeah, how are you going to do that? <sighs> Never mind. Let's just keep <laughs> keep rolling here. Um, second thing I got, Cerberus, uh, we didn't get to this last week because... I didn't give Wiggs enough time to talk about the, some of the stuff that he wanted to say. So, uh, some sad news. I, maybe I did mention it. 
I have my notes. I guess I could double check. But our buddies at Cerberus Moto going out of business. Yeah, I think I, I think I mentioned it because I think I mentioned their online auction. Super, super sad. Uh, these people have done some really rad stuff. I'm excited to talk to them and find out what goes on with their next adventure. But, uh, yeah, basically, um, they're having an online auction. I'm going to be out of town, so I commissioned a friend to pick up the, some stuff if I happen to win any of the wonderful items that Cerberus had for sale. And my friend's retort to me was, mm, I said, you know, I'm going to be in Virginia. Um, I'll keep you posted if I win. And she answered, yeah, but first answer this. Why is Virginia for lovers? Now, you may know the state motto, Virginia is for lovers, or this, uh, maybe that's not the motto, maybe that's just what they say about Virginia, kind of like Arkansas is for drunks. Listen to this. Now, I totally just made this up, okay? This is totally false history. And if you'd like to have a totally false history lesson about your town, go ahead and email it to creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com or uh, hit us up on the Instagrams or the Facebooks and leave us to the name of your town, a question about it, and I'll answer it in the fakest fashion that I can. So, buddy, back in 1751, passenger pigeons and doves were abundant across the United States. When settlers first arrived, there were so many passenger pigeons that you could shoot into the sky at almost any time of the day, and at least 20 birds would drop down ready to eat. Native Americans called them squaw and that's where the term squab comes for the fancy French pigeon dishes. So, soon the passenger pigeon was hunted to extinction. Yay, white people! Virginia was the only place left to find them until they ultimately became extinct. And as a replacement, doves were hunted, and actually they still are today, uh, across the country. Virginia was quickly being settled, and doves were becoming a staple of the Virginians' diet. Hunters who had once been able to hunt passenger pigeons were invited instead to come hunt doves there. And these dovers, as they were called, made their living supplying small game birds to local markets in rural Virginia. Somewhere between 1756 and the Civil War in 1863, someone with sloppy handwriting apparently took over the state's motto. And Virginia is for dovers, which were what dove hunters were called, got changed to Virginia is for lovers. And actually, you can kind of see how a capital D might look a little bit like an L if you erase the front of it off. So I'm starting to wonder if that old drunk, William Mortensen, didn't accidentally lean across a freshly painted sign that said Virginia is for dovers. And it got in uh, mixed up with Virginia's for lovers. And then the more settlers came, you know how stuff just becomes pop culture. And uh, you say it enough and it becomes reality and history. That's exactly how Virginia is for Lovers came about in truly fake history. It's very awkward for me looking at you, looking at your phone, being like, what in the actual hell? So, all right, let's move on to the next next bit of business. Oh yeah, hit me with Scrubbicanizer. Some intro, well not intro music, but some segue music into this next topic. It's gonna blow your pants off, mofo. You got that right.
God, this song makes me want to dance and headbang in the shower, which isn't really that good of an idea, but, you know, do what you got to do. All right, episode 136, and part of the reason that I wish Wiggins was here, and yes, Snap-A-Tap, Rostin, your worst nightmare come true. 3,000 podcasts are going to be talking about it this week because Harley Davidson dropped some mega mind-blowing but <laughs> crampy news. Oh my God, I almost just killed myself. I got a little overexcited about the news. The Harley Davidson dropped this Monday, early morning time, laying out their plans for 12 billion new riders in the U.S. by 94, 19, which is two years away. 2027, folks, that's the year. That's the year Blade Runner is supposed to be set in, right? And that's also the year that Harley Davidson hopes to up their U.S. ridership by 2 million new riders. How are they going to do that? Well, guess what? Harley Davidson is joining the ranks of Suzuki, Honda, and others which shall remain unnamed like Kawasaki and Yamaha. And they're actually making more than one type of bike. Yes. Uh, let's uh, pipe, get this down, Boomer. Yes, Harley Davidson is actually going to make more than one type of motorcycle for those distinguished riders out there. And listen up, folks. I'm not just saying, like, more than one type of motorcycle as in, like, oh, you got a bagger or you got a cruiser. Uh, I'm talking, like, you heard the news. You read the, the spiel on creative writing. You read Cycle World and uh, and then LinkedIn and everything else. You know just as much as I do about this crap. You went to Harley's website. Oh, you didn't? Oh, well, let me tell you then. Let me tell you what it's all about, man. New, uh, 22 new models is what they claim. And okay, that is a little bit of a stretch. We either know that that's going to be, uh, you know, ten the ten current soft tails and the uh, ten current baggers plus two streets. You know, it's, well, it's going to either be that or it's going to be uh, a very. A, let's see, there are four new platforms with different model variations. That that ain't too hard to do. That's a four times four is sixteen. So I think there already may be. Uh, 22 new models in the works just based off these four new platforms. Now, what are the new platforms, you may ask? Well, on Monday, Harley-Davidson shocked the internet, sent ripples through the old fat men that ride them, and uh, said, hey, listen, not only are we going to not hold out now, you know, they're usually super secret. I usually know, uh, scratch that, I'm not going to tell you what I usually know, but let's just put it this way. A lot of times, if you're going to the dealer and you call them the night before or hell, even the morning of a new release, uh, they will have zero ideas what you are. You, you'll basically, through uh, the rumor mill and the grapevine, will have more of an idea than the actual dealers will of what is going to be dropping at the door on these release dates. Last year, they actually no. used. Uh, year they actually well, used I hear myself. Instagram. And several key celebrities that are- They did use several key celebrities. The only one I knew was Rusty Butcher, because he actually is. I do know Rusty Butcher. Holy shit, hang on one sec, let me fix this. You ever do that thing where you think that there's two junkie turdmans? And you might be right. I just did that. All right, let's get back to the show. So anyway, uh, yeah, so last year they did use Instagram. They did use, uh, and they've always used a lot of uh, fakery and baloney and, and secrecy, but they've laid out their goals for 
uh, up until 2027, 20, and they had that great video that came out on their website to see it. And if you haven't seen any of that yet and you haven't dug around Harley Davidson's website to see all the details, let me fill you in on them right here. Well, beginning with last year's uh, Bangkok Motor Show, it, well, 2016, depending on when you think last year is. Are you, uh, are you sure? You, you know what year this is. So uh, tw in 2016, <laughs> um, in 2016 at the Bangkok Motor Show, they had this thing called the Stealth 750 that was bait. It was somebody had made a, an ADV bike based uh, on the street 750 platform, had a bunch of crazy ugly cladding all over it, and but it did kind of look like the Pan American now. So I thought based on that, based on the fact that those name patents were registered in the UK, and based on the fact that the um, Stealth 750 debuted or you know showed at the Bangkok show, I thought that the uh, Pan American may be a European-only bike or Asian-only bike, and therefore you'll see my erroneous statement on creativewriting.com when I was interviewed by the, by the big wig uh, that no American ass would touch the seat, and apparently they will. And apparently these things are going to be fighting against the R1200 GSs and the, uh, you know, the Ducati uh, 1260 Multistradas and all those bikes like that that cater to the large ADB crowd. Let's even lump them in with the Africa Twin, and uh, we'll go down to the, uh, the V-Strom 1000, and we'll definitely put them in with the Super 10s and, uh, and all that stuff. And Kawasaki versus 1000, maybe, I guess. Um, and speaking of those other bikes, let's get into what some of the pictures showed about the Pan American. Uh, the Pan American looks to be, it's going to debut apparently in 2020. It's using a new 1250cc uh, water-cooled dual overhead cam motor. And that was the one of the biggest shocking things is that the uh, three of the four new platforms that are coming out are going to be utilizing dual overhead cams with liquid cooling. And uh, it's about it's awesome. It's about time that they put some of the the water cooling technology um, to use. And uh, Harley Davidson. There's been so many people that have made Harley Davidsons in the article that it's on CreativeWriting.com, um, Creative-Writing.com. Don't want to confuse anybody. If you go over there, the featured picture in the background is the Carducci Designs uh, ADV um, Harley Davidson built out of a Sportster. And basically used the Sportster frame and custom-made everything else. Biltwell also took a Sportster down to Baja 1000 or the Mexican 1000 this year and uh, did a pretty good job with that thing. The 420 Frijole uh, was that bike. So, And before that, Hogwild Racing used to race a... Uh, I don't remember the year, but a V-Rod uh, with a sidecar, they raced it in the Dakar Rally a few times. So it's not the first time. And, of course, Rusty Butcher jumps his uh, Sportsters all the time as if they were, you know, XT500s. And these are all 1,200cc machines or bigger. So it's awesome to see that, you know, people have been doing stuff with Harley-Davidson's for a long, long time, and now Harley-Davidson's getting into the act, so I couldn't be more stoked. Um, I just grabbed a giant bug off my neck. That was awesome. Uh, anyway, so uh, the the uh, the Pan America, twelve fifty cc with the uh, you know water cooling dual overhead cams. It was shown at least in this uh, 
in the pictures that are online to have inverted forks, which I guess that's pretty, you know, a lot of the stuff has inverted forks nowadays. Chain drive. Of all those bikes I mentioned, like the Africa Twin and the V-Strom and the Versus, and I think about half of them have chain drives or a little more than half. And if you have um, shafts, I know the Super 10s have shafts. I'm pretty sure the Ducatis uh, have a shaft. I know the, R- the R1200s, all of them except for like the F800 and 850 and 750 have shaft drives. So it's all the bigger ones have shaft drives. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's... Nothing, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with having a chain drive. Um, and then it has tubeless cross-spoke wheels that look like they're approached directly from the R1200 GS Adventure. Uh, and if you don't know what cross-spoke wheels are, they're pretty cool. Spoke wheels, of course, for off-road use, preferred over cast wheels because cast wheels can break. They don't have any flex to them. When they, when they do, they usually crack and bend. Um, spoke wheels can deform and pop back um, uh, to a certain point. But the tubeless ones, they are threaded instead of to the center of the wheel, like where the uh, spokes are laced. They're laced to the outside edge of the rim. And so, therefore, you run like a little bead inside, and you can see the tire on the inside of that. And voila, you have a tubeless tire uh, with a spoke. And uh, the air doesn't bleed out of the nipple holes. Yowza! Um, The next bike that they had... Come on, baby. The next bike they had is going to be debuting in 2020 also, uh, which is the year the Pan America is going to drop, and that's the Street Fighter. Now, the Street Fighter reminds me not so much of a Buell, which, by the way, I'm sure Eric Buell is rolling over in his grave even though he's not dead. I'm sure he dug a hole, jumped in it, uh, farted a few times, and has been doing backflips ever since. Uh, The poor fellow was just ahead of his time, I guess, and Harley-Davidson has seen the writing on the wall. If you want to get into new markets and you want to engage with uh, different upcoming riders and have Harley-Davidson be a relative name uh, in the next 20 years, you're going to have to do what every other motorcycle company has done, and that's make more than just a cruiser or a little cruiser or a fared-bagged cruiser. You're going to have to make more than one, one type of motorcycle. And I'm proud to see that they're doing that with the Street Fighter. Uh, I don't know if I already said that it reminds me of a CB1000R, uh, especially the new one, the 2018 that came out, uh, that's kind of chunky in the front and big and stout looking, and then kind of slimmer in the rear. And it's, I think they both showed a round headlight, the CB and the, uh, the Street Fighter. So they're kind of keeping that cool... Uh, round headlight look and not getting all crazy new, you know, like they're not putting a fat boy front end or not the fat boy, the fat Bob crazy, you know, bar light on it or nothing like that, which by the way, I do have to say the Pan America kind of has the Pan America kind of looks like, uh, I don't know. It looks a little bit like they took some styling from J Pan. So we'll see. But anyway, yeah, the Street Fighter looks pretty cool. The first one out will be a 975 with dual overhead cams and the and the liquid-cooled motor. But I did dig around on Harley's website and saw that they're going to be making all the way from a 500cc Street Fighter up to a 1250cc. Uh, and some of those are going to be for Asian markets and uh, horsepower-to-weight ratio-controlled markets, uh, like in Europe and the UK, for the licensing system. So that's going to be pretty cool. At least it's getting global. And God, Eric Buell just must be pulling his hair out. Um, and, and it's got proper rear sets. Like there's another bike that they came out with, and even the Sportster Roadster, I think it has mid 
instead of forward, but most of the stuff has forwards. Like most Harley Davidson stuff ditch the mid control for forward control. Terrible, terrible, but terrible. And uh yeah, so I'm glad to see the Street Fighter did not have a sport bike chassis and engine and all that stuff with front like forward controls. How uh, bad would that have been? That would have shown that you really can't innovate. Uh, but anyway, there's another one coming out in 2021, the last one that they showed, which is called the Custom. I was joking with Ted from Motorcycle Man about it being a replacement for the Sportster. I, I really don't know. But with the 975 power plant and a 1250 power plant, that could easily replace the 883 and 1200s. And, uh, oh, and by the way, 975 and 1250 and CC on all this stuff from the Pan America down to the uh, Custom saying it in cc's rather than cubic inches is a huge departure from the american culture but definitely the harley davidson culture and naming convention where everything is cubic inch but you're not going to say oh yeah my 80 you know when you're talking to a dude with like a r1200 gs you'll be like hey yeah i got like a uh pan america 73 or 88 they're gonna be like dude i have no idea the parody of that are you uh, smaller than a V-Strom 650 or bigger than the uh, 1290 Super Adventure? So it's pretty cool. Not since Buell have they uh, talked about bikes and CC. So that's another cool thing. Um, I did want to say, let me see, the custom. Uh, it looked really cool. Uh, there's not much to say about that except for the scrambler pipe on it does not quite pair well with the forward footrest that one definitely has forward footrest so and it kind of has like a tracker body so eh, that one's also kind of a mismatch miss mismatch mitch mismatch mishmash is what i was trying to say but um but yeah and last but not least the live wire now they've been announcing the well i think last year or the year before that the live wire was going to be coming out in 2021 they revised that to 2019 and then announced their strategic partnership with Alta. And when all this stuff about Harley Davidson uh, profits getting, you know, go down the toilet and all this and that, I started to worry a little bit. Was the same thing that happened to Eric Buell and Hero Motor Corp going to happen with Harley and Alta, where neither one can develop stuff now because the, the money's run out? But it's good to know and good to see that they actually are at least announcing next year which means basically they should be showing it uh, at the motor shows this year and they should be um maybe updating the website uh, let me see they usually do it in august something like that for the for the uh, following model year and of course long beach is in november so all that stuff should be up in a couple months if it's really going to be for 2019 unless it's going to be a late 2019 model and uh, that's always a possibility too. I'm I'm still gonna not hold my breath on this one, even though they've announced it and they've showed it on the website. Uh, I still think there may be, you know, we'll see. We'll see what could done with the pipes. God, I'm talking like an idiot because the the sound is processing twice, and I feel like I'm on one of those cell phone calls where there's super latency, latency and delay. So I'm going to take, take a quick break, make some adjustments to the audio so it don't sound drunk, and be right back. Hey there, 
this is Richard Matt from My Motorbike Obsessions. I'm currently coming at you from Tokyo, and you're listening to the Creative Riding Motorcycle Podcast, probably because you ran out of all the other podcasts to listen to, and you really dig motorcycle haiku. Later. Also turn down Wiggins mic. Yeah, that sounds a lot better. Man, it's hard for me to talk. Wiggins, you always complain about that, and it's never. It was really bad tonight. Like it was real bad. Where uh, it's like one of those cell phone calls where you hear your voice like a half a second later, a full second later. That's what it was like, buddy. Uh, so. Um, thanks, Patron Matt. And actually, you can't be in Japan anymore if you're considering racing this weekend's Hot August Nights. And uh, why don't I tell you a couple more things that are happening before we get to the end of the show. I'll do it in the middle. Uh, a couple few things happening tonight. Thank you, Instagram, for uh, showing us this. Um, if you're local to Cali, we got the Sierra Stakeout happening this weekend. And that's uh, going to be an Immigrant Gap in California. A lot of people riding up there right now. Um, also happening this weekend, of course, is the Hell on Wheels out at Industry Expo Center. I was telling Matt, I emailed him back, and I said, listen, buddy, uh, me and Wigs don't have to be there, do we? Because you do know that the Industry Expo Center has a live stream. Uh, not a lot of people, I'm not talking about live streaming to YouTube or Instagram or nothing that. They have a live stream. If you remember that service live stream, that's the channel that they use. And you can usually check out uh, livestream.com. Just search Industry Expo Center or something like that. And they usually, I uh, believe for last year, um, and let me think. They did a lot of stuff. They did the uh, the Born Free Stampede, I think. They also did the last year's Hot August Nights or the year before. The year before is Hot August Nights. I think last year it was at Paris. But, um, yeah, they, they basically uh, stream that stuff. And then you can also get it later for download if, you know, it's saved to the server if you don't have um, – don't have the ability to be there to to watch it. So if you are in SoCal, though, and you're around uh, the industry, go to Hog August Nights. It's going to be the Industry Hills Expo Center. And, uh, yeah, practice begins at 4 p.m. Heat races begin at 5-something. And, you know, when Meatball puts on an event, it's never exact. You can uh, show up and have a good time. August 5th in NorCal is going to be the Cycle Swap. Apparently, mullets, bad sunglasses, and missing teeth are welcome, as well as uh, whatever sort of custom chopper and Harley-Davidson part you want to bring. <clears throat> Switching over to the East Coast, we have um, Timonium, Maryland. It says Lutherville Timonium. Is that two different towns? Uh, in Maryland, they have hooligan racing uh, at the Timonium Short Track um, August 3rd, 10th, and 17th, and I've seen two things posted up. It looks like the East Coast Hooligans, but it looks like it's the uh, Gary Nixon Memorial at the Maryland State Fairgrounds, July 20th, August 3rd, uh, August 10th, and August 17th. Um, so, yeah, that it's a $1,500 for the 450 Pro purse. Wow, my wife has expensive purses, but $1,500, woo! Uh, so, anyway, check that out if you get a chance. Um, also, man, uh, I believe I'm screwing this up big time by not mentioning Sturgis. I think Sturgis is happening right now or is getting ready to happen. And uh, I believe that there's going to be hooligan racing there. As a matter of fact, I know there is because I saw a little schedule that says um, 
There's going to be hooligan racing. It's like a triple crown. Saturday, August 4th, they'll be racing at the Jack, the Jack Pine Gypsies race, which is round one and uh, of the triple crown hooligan series. Uh, followed Sunday, August 5th, by the tracker cross at the um, Full Throttle Saloon. Highway 34, Sturgis, South Dakota. And then August 7th, the hooligans are going to race the Black Hills Half Mile. So it's going to be a rad triple crown, not quite weekend, but just a span of a few days. Uh, then um, after that, we have the Barber Vintage Festival, which, oh God, I feel lame for this, but I think it's going on the 8th or 9th to the 11th. And also... Uh, right around that same time, I typed in Baber into Instagram. Don't type in Baber Vintage Festival or Baber's going to feel old. Is that Justin Baber? I forget his first name. Jordan Baber. That's who it is, Jordan Baber. Don't feel old, Jordan Baber. And don't you dare have a vintage festival without us. And don't start your singing career unless your name is Justin Baber. But anyway, the Barber Vintage Festival uh, is happening, like I said, I, I think it's, um, did I say the 8th to the 11th? I think I might be wrong about that. Uh, I'm going to get the info right now, but the same, uh, weekend coming up August 11th and 12th. Do I have that right? Is the ramming speed, uh, carnival of speed, basically. Oh, motherfucker. I'm going to look this up in a second. I'm going to pause this. It's hard to type and look down and be as stunning as I am and get the correct info and still make good sound waves. And never mind, the Barber Vintage Festival is in October. That's why I got the dates wrong. The Carnival of Speed, though, is happening at Willow Springs. That's put on by our friends at Ramming Speed Racing. That's going to be August 11th and 12th. That is going to feature, um, what do they call Midway Games. I was going to say Boardwalk Games. I don't think a Boardwalk and a Midway are the same things. But the Boardwalk slash Midway slash Evil Clown Tent Games, there's going to be music. There's going to be all sorts of fun stuff. It's also going to be a classic and small track bike day. Uh, entry is, uh, I want to say 10 bucks to get in. Be part of the madness, be part of the craziness, check out what people are doing. Any more than that, and it's going to be 150 bucks if you want to get out there and ride on the track. Um, so yeah, that's that. Anyway, I want to get back to, uh, now that we know what's going on in the world, go to Sturgis, go do your thing, go to the Gypsy Ride, go to uh, the Sierra Stakeout, do this and that and the other thing. We'll find out what's going on uh, around the world here in a little bit. Maybe post that up. But uh, now that we're half an hour in, um, I wanted to talk about some of the great stuff uh, in this Harley Davidson centric episode um, about what's going on and uh, around the world. Because Harley Davidson not only uh, talked about the few motorcycles that are coming out and the electric being like the biggest, you know, crazy slap in the face to the Harley devoted. Um, they're going to have to live with it because around the world, Harley said that they are de uh, developing 250cc motorcycles. Yeah, I found that buried deep in Harley's website. I dare you to find that statement and uh, that little blurb, but it's in there. And they said not only that, but electric motorcycles and motorcycles, uh, which is uh, aqua bikes for those of you in Europe. Um, no, 250cc um, and lots of electric scooters, bicycles, pedal assist, uh, by, you know, basically assist by electric e-bike assists and like full on electric. And, uh, a lot of, they had multiple designs for little scooters. And I'm assuming that that's going to be across Asia and specifically like China and, um, 
China has like a huge push right now for um, a lot of electric like only vehicles. And uh, after the Trumpster pulled out of the Kyoto Compact, I believe it was uh, the first one of the first things he did. Um, and actually in 2016, gearing up during his campaigning, China said, we're going to go ahead and stop being uh, the world's grossest polluter. Um, and which is hard to do when you're that big of a country and uh, you got that much crazy stuff going on for, for the rest of the world, a.k.a. manufacturing and this and that. It's going to be hard for China to stay on top of the manufacturing game and their crazy uh, mining games that they got going on and all this crazy stuff that they do on that big uh, chunk of land over there and still get their carbon neutrality down way below, you know, to set the standard. That was interesting to me. But they're doing it, and I've been reading about it for the past year almost on on uh, LinkedIn. Made several connections on LinkedIn with people from uh, overseas that are uh, talking about motorbikes and spe- uh, specifically and motorbike companies and this and that. Mm-hmm. I certainly am. And, uh, oh, no, now I'm only coming in on one ear. Dude. I'm having audio problems left and right uh, in the studio, and I'm the only one in here. <laughs> like that, that's a bummer. Uh, anyway, yeah, they're making a huge push. Evoke motorcycles, and uh, actually, John that was on a few. Wow, it's been a little bit now. A few months ago, um, Electric John, he um, he basically has sent me a link to about five or six different. Uh, electric motorcycle manufacturers, and most of the ones that I know of are from the U.S., a.k.a. Lightning and um, Bramo, you know, or used to be Bramo, now Victory, and then now Polaris, but, uh, you know, Zero and, uh, well, Energica. Energica's here, but they're not from here. But anyway, a lot of, uh, almost exclusively everyone, including, you know, of course, Alta is really well-known, and there's a few that aren't so well-known, but that are making them. I forget the ones that... uh, that are more like bicycles than motorcycles at this point because they're kind of small displacement and they are, um, they technically look like bicycles. One of them, the, I forget what the one was that the motorcycles and misfits rode, but a lot of them are, um, from the U S but with this new push for, um, you know, changing the face of global transportation and cleaning up the world, China has gone almost 100% electric. Or that's their goal, to go 100% electric. And motorbikes is where they're starting since most people in China ride a scooter or, or a motorbike. So there has been a bajillion, bajillion companies coming out of China that are making electric motorcycles. And I kind of wanted to make this show a little bit more of a story uh, tell the story of the changing world and lead off with that Harley Davidson bit just because that is an indicator right now, folks, that the world is changing. Um, Harley Davidson finally playing catch up, um, not just in technology, but in style of bike. Like, that's a huge thing for them to say we're going to be making little scooters again. You know, we made the topper. They, they, they really catered to a more broad market back in the day. It's funny enough that they've narrowed it down to the cruiser market and like tried to remain to the loyal dudes and they've literally painted themselves in a corner doing that because now anytime they try something, aka like a water-cooled motor in the V-Rod, people freak out and go crazy. But if you don't ever change, um, society will change without you. And the future, you know, the future is now, as we say, and you're going to get left behind 
in, as easily as one year. And I think it's about time Harley Davidson's made these changes. And uh, I'm super excited about it. And I wanted to say that given that and given the fact that they are committed, and this is a little hashtag that I made up, uh, commit, not conform. I forget what it was, but it was something like that. Like they are, they are going to commit and not conform still. I mean, they're kind of, this is being kind of punk rock. If you think about it, Harley Davidson making stuff that they're even their own owners are going to rebel against, you know, they own the loyal people, but I don't know. I think a lot of people, even snap a tap who I think hates, uh, Harley Davidson for the most part. And a lot of people that don't like Harleys are going to be interested in them. I liked Buell's. And I thought Buells were cool just because I don't really like uh, all the cruiser stuff. I really did like the XR um, 1200, um, but that really, I guess, wasn't for the United States. That started as a European bike, and it came over here, and then it ended up again as a European bike. So it sold real well comparatively over there than it did over here. So it's not like Harley-Davidson hasn't tried, but they really did paint themselves in a corner by making – just lazy boys on wheels and then small cruisers that people with regular jobs can afford like a $9,000 Sportster. Having said that, uh, I don't know the price points of these new bikes, but I do like the fact that they're branching out into electric and even smaller stuff like 250 cc's and very, very small looking electric scooters because the face of transportation is changing. And if if anything, we can go back in time and there's these things called zeitgeist, which is means like I think time ghost in German. And it's basically looking back in time and seeing what things repeat and seeing for me as that geist also represents like you look at something um, and you can take it and it kind of represents what was happening in society at that time. Well, the fact that one of the world's best known cruiser sellers is finally getting with the times and actually going back more to how they were back in the, the 40s, um, making scooters and, and servo cars and things like that that they did, and, and 250 Air Machis, I guess maybe going back to the 60s and 70s um, or is more like it, instead of this crazy wagon train they've got in through the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, and now they can't get out of it without having people freak out like oh you killed dinah oh now you're going water cooled oh man you know like you got to change and i'm so happy and uh to tell the story this this zeitgeist is this year with harley davidson to me you know talking about electric and finally actually producing one making water cooled dual overhead cam bikes and a sport bike for pete's sake that's not made by eric buell and sold through harley dealerships where everybody hates them it's going to be an incredible year and the fact that um, the Peterson Automotive Museum on August 18th, or I'm sorry, August 15th, is uh, having uh, the future of mobility from 6 to 9, and it's going to feature a bunch of people that do mobility projects, including LA's urban, uh, the head of like urban development or city planning or something like that. She's going to be there along with two other professors that study uh mobility and transportation around the world they're going to be talking about stuff like the way uh i've seen it on shows like the amazing race and stuff like that where people um get around a lot of times on these briefcases that have wheels on them or those hoverboards or like the one wheel stuff like that is changing the way mobility looks and in urban centers stuff like the metro bikes and the limes and the birds and the uh, Lime scooters and the Ofos and anything like that. If you're in Denmark you're, or Holland, maybe you already know what we're talking about because there's probably a 30 trillion bicycles 
And in China, there used to be 30 million bicycles. And now across urban centers in the United States, there are bicycles and scooters and stuff like that. Lots of two-wheel stuff coming on board, changing the way people uh, basically travel around city centers and uh, the way people are, are getting around and will get around in the future. And that not only includes two-wheel stuff, but also Uber and autonomous vehicles. And there's, along with uh, the electric things that I've been reading on LinkedIn, there's been a lot of stuff uh, talking with people that are not only uh, observant of, but involved with the automation of transportation in big city centers. Paris was one of the biggest ones to announce this. And London, that they want, you know, by a certain year, they want all uh, petrol-based vehicles to be banned. And actually, they have been actively doing that with the older vehicles and stuff like that. But some of these people that have been involved with it, this one guy from South Africa, I'm going to be doing a little piece on this because I've seen it myself. I've seen, I've gone downtown recently here, even in my city, which is not exactly a huge urban center. Like I live in a town that's kind of like Mayberry more than anything, but Lime Bike uh, partnered with the city and you see them all over. And apparently they're kind of like trash bikes and people have been up in Oregon, I guess, like in Portland, it's not uncommon to find them uh, thrown into the river or on the train tracks and stuff like that. Uh, I was just recently in San Diego and was reading one of their uh, local newspapers, The Reader, and the front page article was a dude that had tried to, oh, God damn it, what the fuck am I doing? I'm setting shit all over my computer and, like, opening up cameras and shit. What the fuck? All right, Wiggins, you go out of town and I start going crazy. Mm. You know how you know how podcasting goes, buddy. Wish you were here to suffer with me on this. Maybe I should just call him up. Maybe we'll call up Wiggins in a minute. Um, but anyway, uh, make a long story short, these people are are trending toward urban mobility and the changing face of it. And like I said, the, the thing that I read in San Diego was this uh, guy was trying to see what it was like to be a lime and bird in uh, this, I forget what they call this economy, where you know the, a big company puts out this stuff and then you go do it for them. Kind of like Uber um, and Lyft and all that stuff. You know, A big company sets up the platform and takes the money. You just do their job for them. Well, apparently you can make money harvesting these little lime bikes and um, gathering these little bird scooters and then releasing them back into their nests for birds and I forget what they call the lime. They, each one has this really stupid, punny, cheeky, stupid fucking thing that they're trying to get in. But basically my point is the guy was trying to make some some dough uh, as a charger and a guy that and somebody that comes and picks these things up and you know, charges them up for the company and then puts them back into um, like an urban urban center where people are going to use them or a bike rack or something like that. Like my city has dedicated bike racks just for these things so you know where to always find them. Uh, and they're always scattered around the city and he was one of the people making money by going around and collecting them and then put them back in these spots that are de- designated. But apparently every uh, millennial with an app on their phone and every old person that wants to uh, emulate that or is unemployed, I don't know, or is making a side hustle, wants to go out and do that. So the company uh, makes all the profits, and you make like $5 for every scooter you collect and charge and reset out, and you can only do um, after a certain hour. 
the ones that he finds are often trashed, broken, and or inside uh, apartment complexes and or locked places. He said, and half of them have had like da- have been like vandalized and damaged or thrown into the water, like in San Diego where he was tossed into the bay. It's just amazing how urban. Um, and I think we talked uh, a few weeks ago or a couple months ago about the new Ford patent that's going to have like a scooter in the front and it's because urban centers are changing and mobility and the way we even get around the city streets Uh, obviously you're not riding motorcycles on the sidewalk but these people have these bikes and scooters all over the sidewalk they're not even following the rules of the road yada 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 and that leads down to another thing is if you have you have those in the urban centers, to get to the urban centers, uh, people are trying to go to a shared vehicle. And I think in France, the guy that um, the South African dude I was reading about that moved to France and tried to work with Paris about getting uh, shared vehicle things and, and specifically autonomous shared vehicles where maybe you don't own your car, but you pull your money into it with like your neighborhood or something. And like you, I'm not using my car. All day. Like, basically, I used my car today for about an hour and a half. So for the rest of that time, your car, the, the community car, could be going around dropping people off at school, taking people to a doctor appointment, and then when your scheduled thing is, it comes and gets you and takes you to it, and then goes back. So it's a really interesting story, and Harley-Davidson right now is playing into that, along with some of these other two-wheel companies, and with electric motorcycles coming on hard in Asia, you can only imagine that that stuff... I absolutely love audio problems. Hey there, listeners. This is Patreon subscriber Nerissa coming to you from inside my helmet in the land of beer and cheese, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You're listening to the Creative Writing Podcast because you're obviously ridiculously good looking. Does he have like an album for shit for sale? Yeah. Or is seven it just of them. Eight photos? of them. Eight of them. Alright, so as you can hear there, Wiggs uh Wiggs might be here. Or he might not. Maybe. Maybe I'm gone. <laughs> I was gonna joke around about the disturbance in the room, but folks, Wiggs is here. And thank God because I was about up to my eyeballs with audio problems. Now that you're here, we can commiserate together. <laughs> So, hey, Wiggs, I got a couple questions for you. I already recorded the good half of the show, so you're, you're with me here for the shit half, but uh, I, do, I know this show wouldn't be complete if the, uh, the resident Harley rider did not talk about the Harley Davidsons for a hot second. Sure. But I got interviewed by the big wigs over at um, Creative Writing uh, on Monday. Okay. And uh, when it dropped... What did they say? That well, you... You're on thin ice with them? Uh, basically called me They're going to report you to HR? <laughs> totally. Uh, not only did I get a, an HR write-up, but um, yeah, it was interesting. And uh, I had to go to the casting couch after, <laughs> afterward. Oh. But um, that was my hashtag for Harley Davidson is ready to commit, not to conform. What do you think of that hashtag, first off? Uh... I don't. I mean, is that, is that is that just bullshit that I that I made up? It's kind of weird with them because by by not 
conforming to what they usually do. They're actually kind of conforming to what other companies do right now. Yeah. I, yeah. I think, I think they're taking a step in the right direction. Yeah. But I hope that they're taking a forceful step and yeah. not a baby step. Yeah. And what, and uh, what I meant by that statement was that I think they're committing to riders globally that want more than just a cruiser or that can't even afford a cruiser but want Harley Davidson and I think they're committing to their employees and future employees Yeah, and at the same time they're not conforming because I think by being a cruiser company and being like an all American rebel company they've kind of painted themselves into this corner where they've conformed to that image only and so now they can For break sure. out and I don't know though I'm I'm also going to play like devil's advocate today with like they tried to break out and one it was very successful in my opinion and um the the important people the company didn't like it or whatever and the other one I think was a total flop because they never did anything cool with it like they had a good idea they started with a good idea they just didn't do it 100% and Are you talking about the V-rod? Yeah. I think maybe they even did do it a hundred percent, but they never did any, like when it wasn't successful, they never changed anything about it. Mm-hmm. And it's a bummer. Cause I think that motor was definitely a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And I think it was really a pretty good motor. I mean, it was, they were fast bikes and they were what a 1300. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. And, yeah. and they were, I mean, they were fast I, even, by motorcycle standards, not even by mm-hmm. Harley standards, you know, they were quick. So yeah, the be- the best looking one, I think, I mean, they tried using it for their drag racing bike and the VRS CDX destroyer. Yeah. yeah they know. even had the, the production destroyer, I think mm-hmm. was, was decent. They had that for you a know. couple of years, right? Yeah. Um, you know, they had the muscle that was okay, but yeah. My favorite one of those platforms, which when I saw, which I think they were trying to break out with it, was the uh, Street Rod, which is funny, funny enough that they brought back a little 750 called the Street Rod, because the, the old Street Rod, you sat on and it had rear sets compared to every other. Yeah, that bike. was one of the big fails, I think, with the V-Rod, was they all had forwards. Yeah, and that was the only one that had rears, and it was they only had it for like two years, and they're like, ah, eh, you know. Yeah, and, and they had... I don't know. Like I said, I think the motor was good. It made good power. It was still Harley, even though Porsche designed it, whatever. Um, all the Indian people that want to talk shit, tell me more about your Audi. So, but it just, like I said, it's I sob, dude. It's a sob, but that's okay. Are they sobs? Yeah. Okay, whatever. I oh. thought you were talking about Indian pe- people in India, and I was like, "Oh, really? Is Audi helping make the the streets?" <laughs> I thought the FTR oh. was an Audi company. Saab. Are you sure? Well, they they co-developed it with Saab. Yeah. Are you sure the FTR? Uh. You sure it isn't an Audi owned company? It is a Swedish company. Yeah, they make that made Saab. Okay. Uh, oh, good. Not so, squabs. Hey, not squabs. You, you haven't so heard the beginning of the show. But. <laughs> that's actually like. Uh, they must have been like, "Hey, you went out of business, and we went out of business. Let's work together. <laughs> Let's get together. We're Aww. both uh, we're both made by jets or whatever Aww. that stupid thing." So, is. yeah, but I think like the the V Rod was a good motor, um, and I think when it came out, like, <sighs> are you just saying that because that was their first water cooled motor? I don't know if it's technically their first, but it was their first production, like yeah. full production one. Yeah, yeah, true that actually, true that. Um, I mean, dude, they had a V four that they never produced. I know, um, but. So hey, they never gave it to Eric Buell. Like, yeah, dude, the things that dude could have done with one, but 
And then they're like, oh, yeah, the, the V-Rod never did real well. And I want to be like, look at the fucking motorcycle. Like, you put a diamond in a turd and want it to sell. Yeah, exactly. Like, and no one wants to pay for a diamond if it's wrapped in a turd that you can't take off of it. Yeah. Like, I do want to talk about that uh, that bike again at some point because it did, even the frame, the, the design was sort of revolutionary but compared to the rest of the bikes but it did look complete turd and i don't think it lived up to the hell a hayabusa has a 1300 in it and there's a couple other sport bikes sport touring bikes that have 1300s that don't look like a turd with a diamond in it but um what what was your impression i i think you're referencing that because the new new bikes that were coming out uh have dual overhead cam water-cooled motors what was your uh what do you think about the video that they released on monday I think it's good. Uh, I also, for starters, overall, I like the new bikes. I'm skeptical until I see it can come out and, and until I see price tags. Mm-hmm. But overall, I really like what they've done. An ADV bike is, although not a first for them, before all you Harley haters say it is. You talk about the Buell Ulysses? The Buell Ulysses. And... Most Harley people consider Buell's Harleys. Yeah. And I 100% consider them a Harley. But actually, that bike was pretty, a lot of people were fans of the Ulysses. And I don't know, like to me, it was an XB with like knobbies, but there might have been like a V Strom. Yeah, there might have been more to it. And Buell, I think, had his own problems. Like they had the, what was it, the CR that was like a half inch shorter. The and CG. CG? Yeah, yeah like, it was like the same bike with a sh- little bit shorter wheelbase and the height, yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's, it's even, a, like, literally the, the main frame was different. Yeah, like, it was... Why? The CG meant center of gravity. I think we talked yeah, about this before. we have. But it's like, okay, you lower the forks a little, lower the rear shock a little. Yeah. No, the entire frame was changed, yeah. which I think is, one, it's testament to Buell's genius and... um being picky like it, it had to be done right and he knew how to do it right like oh let's shrink it a little bit but i wonder if that's the one that danny eslick won the 2009 ama championship no. on he won the 600 championship on an 1125 don't get me started on that fiasco oh boy <laughs> i think that's a fucking joke <laughs> okay yeah well, because they could i mean you could have punched it out to an 1100 like the ducatis and had to run against thousands yeah or at yeah. 1200 sorry they were 1125 and he was like, on a nine he was on one of the uh, xb9 no, he was not he was on a 1125 r when he won the championship really yeah i just wasn't paying attention i just saw the i just saw the buell yeah he was on almost double the bike and i get oh it's a v twin it was an 1125 it wasn't a 750 it was an 1125 and it also wasn't an xb like yeah if he would have went out on an xb 12 that's right we could have been like okay that's comparable ish because you have twice the size but it's a two and it's air cooled and it's two valve no it was a water cooled rotax 60 degree four valve sport bike motor it was almost an aprilia yeah i'm almost thinking of the front cal right now and you're right how did i miss that well they covered up some of the xbs for racing too because you're moving you get the airflow through the motor yeah but even they did have those xbs that had like yeah. that half cal on the front yeah, no, he was on uh, yeah, he, okay um so what uh so back to the, the actual new bikes yeah the side rants what was your first reaction when you saw these new motorcycles? Um, 
These are questions my f- the big wigs at Creative Writing thought okay. of, by the way. My first thought was, I hope they did it right. Because they're to me, they're known to rely on their name and not do stuff 100%. And I, I've talked about it before. To me, the Fat Bob this year is 100% that. Like, you put a better head tube angle on it, Okay, cool. And it's the fat bob. Yeah, that one makes sense to have the fat tires, but why did that one get the better head tube angle then? Like, why are you going to put a better head tube angle and then put shitty wheels on it, shitty wheel sizes? The wheels look sick, but they're fucking 15 or 16. And it's like, oh, cool, you put inverted forks. Didn't matter. They're still super heavy and have basically no valving in them. So you took a turd and flipped it upside down. And in the realm of Street Fighter and... Uh, enduro you can't do that like if that enduro has shitty suspension but it still cost like to me it's going to cost almost what a beamer cost a, a gs 1200 yeah. because it's a fucking harley yeah so if it has shitty suspension and shitty brakes and no traction control because i'm sure the beamer has that no ride height adjust because I'm sure the Beamer has that. So, okay, maybe it's going to cost less because it doesn't have some of those. I'm cool with that. Still can't have shitty suspension. Yeah. Like, it can be not uh, race-ready suspension, Yeah, but you it know, needs to be kind of close. It, right. needs to, it needs to be good enough for the average person. If you put basically Fat Bob forks on it, it's not going to be good enough for anyone that wants an Enduro. Yeah. And on the Beamers, you're, t- you're walking, li- I mean... This is like after tax and destination and all that stuff, but you're walking out of there, and, and depending on what package you get, you're walking out of there at 20 grand for a motorcycle. Oh, I bet the GS1200 is more than that. Uh, well, they start around, they start at 16, so you start throwing packages on it. And is that, it's like man, I would have thought it'd be more than that. Yeah. It's like 16. Okay. It's like almost 17. But That's going to be hard bucks. for Harley to beat. Yeah, but that also includes, like you're saying, you're, you're right. I, I, in my head, I was just checking and off GS1200 what they And GS1200 people with. don't usually buy a base model with nothing yeah you it gotta get comes, your hard panniers yeah like you they, gotta get the crash bars and they started coming with the premium package as the base package nowadays like they, yeah all this add-on stuff beamers like hey it's coming with it so you're I'm pretty getting, sure traction control and stuff's all standard on them you you get and they have like control. ride modes for off-road yeah uh, dude, you're naming. I was just about to like check off what you missed <laughs> but you, you're getting it all they also have cruise control heated yeah. grips yeah, and uh, adjustable seat, like they and they've been in this game for how long? And Harley Davidson did have the Buell, but they're yeah. they've been absent since 2010. So Actually, almost I, a decade without a. AD I have bike. to go back. I think so. That was my first thought. Was I hope that they did it right? My second thought was, you better have hired Eric Buell back. Although we would have <laughs> heard. So my third thought was, you need to fucking hire Eric Buell back. Like 100, you're going to do a Street Fighter, like. And honestly, it's a super cool motor. They're doing two sizes. They're doing a 925? 75. 975, that's right. And a 1250. Mm-hmm. So, like, honestly, it's going to be way faster than a Sportster was. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be. Replacement for a Sportster? Me and Ted. Ted rumor from Motorcycle is, Men. Rumor is Sporties will be dead. Yeah. Ted from Motorcycle Men thinks that they're going to continue the air cooled Sportster line. And, and Ted from Motorcycle Man is. Wishing. Smoking crack. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's the first thing I thought when I saw these ups. You don't take the. Let's put it this way: I don't know for a fact they're dropping the Sportster, but I know for a fact they're who dropping. Fit, the who knew they would drop the Dyna like right 
out from under all the also, Dino Bros. The Dino Bros are like there for, was, for there, us. There's Dino Bros everywhere. Yeah, go to Missouri. They're soft tail bros. They're soft tail bros. <laughs> That's actually so. I talked to someone at Harley. I'm like, why do you name it the soft tail then? Like, if it's not, you know. And they're like, because of 98% of the country. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, everyone we, outside of California yeah. is why we named it a soft tail. And I'm like, good point. Very good point. But so, do you think that the, the Motor Co. is aiming for the right marks with these bikes that they debuted? Like all four, including the live wire. Oh, I think they're aiming for the right marks. And I hope they hit the right marks. You don't think that the Harley Faithful will be pissed off that there's going to be a sport bike? No, um, because... an electric? I, well, yes, yes. I think the Harley Faithful will be some of them because some of them, like anyone that's totally faithful, are ignorant. They're not <laughs> dropping the bagger. They're not dropping the Milwaukee. I, yeah, no. They're, they're not dropping the soft tail. They're not dropping the bagger. They are dropping the Sportster, and that hurts me, but... They are replacing the Sportster oh, yeah, yeah. with that model. What they they right? They don't have a name for it yet. They, they call, call it, it the new custom. custom or something. Yeah. You know what I'd call it? Fucking Sportster. Yeah. So what? It's not an air cooled motor anymore. So what? Yeah. Like call it a Sportster. You, Either that or just call it a uh, twelve hundred custom. And then I think a, they're going to call it, and, and I don't. Like, I don't like what they're going to call it. I think what they're going to call it's XR twelve hundred. That model right now. Uh. I don't like that either because the XR1200 was definitely a Sportster. Its own, well, it was a Sportster, <laughs> it was. but it was its own deal too. It was. It was actually more Buell than Sportster, but hey, the problem with that bike is it wasn't as good of a Buell as a Buell. Yeah. But it, you know what, too, is that the if it's a unit construction, they can call it a Sportster. Uh, I mean, that's the only bike they've ever had that's been unit construction besides the street. Oh, no. Yeah, it's a, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a one-piece motor. Yeah, so they can still get away with calling it. <laughs> they can do it. I mean, they can call it whatever they want to call it. Mm. So if you lo- take a close look at the tank and tail on it and the pipes, it's very XR. They copied the tank shape, the tail, and the pipes off an XR. Yeah. But I was looking at the intake, too, and I was like, even the Pan America, I was like, hey, that's like, is that... Yeah under thing that the XR had, you know? Yeah, because it's probably a downdraft like the Buell's. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. But here's the big thing with the 1200 Custom. What the fuck is up with those wheels? <laughs> and why is it so low? You're going to call it's it an XR. Really you're going to style it off an XR, and you're going to dra- – you can't even turn the fucking thing, and well, it's got 15s on it again. It's got a uh, scrambler pipe. Call it the XR48. Yeah, it's got a scrambler pipe, but forward controls, and it's super slammed. Yeah. And it looks like a tracker tail. You know, I was tripping out on it going, ah, it's just a show. It's, it's just a, and it's just a I, prototype I mean, right and they're anyway. saying, like, oh, this is the bike people are going to customize instead of a Sportster. Okay, why make it so damn hard, though? Yeah. Like, fuck. Like, that's – so to me, that bike is the example when I say – like I really like what they're doing, but I'm scared they're gonna miss it. And right. that bike to me is a huge swing for the fences, a beautiful swing for the fences, and a fucking strike. Yeah. So hey, you segued perfectly into this next question. What can <laughs> Milwaukee's finest do to make this transition more smooth and reach more customers? If they're if that's the concern that's in your mind for the you know. So I don't think they're um I'm not gonna say it's a transition. I don't like it's not a it's not meant to be a transition it's meant to be an add-on like you're you're keeping in theory anyway you're keeping your customer base with your soft tail and your bagger 
and you're you're bringing new customers with these models um, because there were a lot of Buell riders that never bought a Harley, never dreamed of buying a Harley, but they bought a Buell Ulysses. So I think you're going to get some of those guys. You're going to get the the people that and the Pan American, I think, is going to be the older demographic that has money and all their buddies have Beamers and they want something different. Yeah. So you're going to have that. I, I, I honestly, I think the Pan America looks good. I think the styling yeah. looks good. Um, I think it needs to also be a, I believe that one's a 1250. Mm-hmm. I think it needs to be road tested, like like the GS and like even the Africa Twin. Like you can get out on the freeway with those and set cruise and just fucking ride. Like mm-hmm. it's not a Goldwing, but it's pretty damn good. So I think that should be you know that needs to be done. But I think the suspension really needs they real and honestly, Harley's been using Showa for a long time, so yeah. it would not be hard for them to say. Showa, stop. We don't want to buy this. Like, we want good shit. Like, Showa would sell them what's on the, the Africa Twin. Showa would valve it however they, like, it's, is it going to cost more? Yeah. But to me, that will be a killing point for that bike because that bike looks good. I think they did a really good job with the fairing. You do? You like that front end? I do. <laughs> it's different. It's not Harley, but it's yeah. good. Dude, there, uh, the fun thing that was funny to me is that thinking about it, BMW uses the asymmetric headlight on all their stuff, and that's like, oh, that's their crazy That's like look. almost their thing now. And the beak, and the beak. And this didn't have either, yeah. and it looked like a big toaster up there. I didn't really dig it, but at the same time. It kind of looks like the, the Dyna Commander fairing the bigger fairing for the dynas the kind of medium one not the fxrp one but yeah 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 i know um but yeah so in a way it kind of looks like that and it kind of the lines on it flow back to the tank and i like that like the the angles on the fairing match the tank yeah um but to me with the pan america your big spot where it needs to be right one weight but the gs is not a lightweight motorcycle Um, and I, the Africa twins probably not either. Not, it's not as nearly as heavy as the GS, but it's, it's only like five or 600 pounds where the GS I think is like eight. I could be totally, I could be off by a That sounds wrong. The gold wings are eight. Yeah. Or maybe it's nine. The, uh, Africa twin I want to say is four and the GS I want to say is like six though. It's not light. So six is doable. I think for the Pan America, if they... But here's the thing. When the XG came out, I was all like, yeah, look at that sweet little water-cooled 750. It's going to drop 50 pounds from my Sportster. No, it didn't. It was just as heavy. <laughs> so that, I think that's my take on the Street Fighter is it looks like the CB1000. Oh, it looks better than the CB1000. Well, I was always thinking about how you said when Honda makes a new motor, why do they make them bigger and slower and heavier? And I was yeah. like, this thing looks like a board. When they go to a naked bike, yeah. So I think with the Pan America, the... It's a steel frame, I'm sure, which honestly, Honda even said for a long time that they could make a steel frame just as light as an aluminum frame, but mass production-wise, it wasn't as feasible. Ducati still uses, is their V4 still in a steel frame, and a trellis frame? Dude, everything Ducati makes is now in a carbon nanofiber. Oh, yeah, that's true. They don't even fucking have frames. They yeah. have two bolts to the motor and the <laughs> yeah. swinger. So, but the thing is, if... If if 
if, if are we talking if here? Yeah, a little right. if. If they don't is this build a, a subject for you, <laughs> it is. <laughs> if they don't basically put that motor in a Sportster frame, then it it could be like it could be decent. So, and the frame to me isn't as big of a killer as the suspension. And the th- the shitty part is, I think you can fix the suspension, but it's fucking fifteen hundred dollars or two grand or something. Like, actually, if you got to buy a rear shock, a good one's going to run you fifteen hundred bucks yeah. for a good piggyback. And to get the front end all revalved and everything, and and drop in kits and shit is going to cost you a grand. But yeah, so I think the frame. Hopefully, they didn't do a typical Harley style fucking cast iron frame. You know, make it a little thinner. Your Harley frames are slightly overkill, but it's fine for those bikes. But I think on this bike, now you're competing with bikes that aren't as overkill. Yeah. So the suspension in the frame in the Pan America, but I think the styling is good. Um, I don't even remember what the wheels look like. They are mags, though. Nope. Are they spokes on that one? Cross spoke. They stole yeah, the so they're tubeless. The, yeah, exactly. That's good. Good. Uh, what do you think about the timing right now of all this coming out right when... Uh, well, the dealer shows in two weeks in San Diego. Yeah. But supposedly they're 2020 models, not 2019 models. Yeah, and the custom or the street... The custom is 2021 even. Like, they're showing us their hand way before they usually do. And that's... The problem with showing your hand so early is companies like Indian have time to to come out with something too. Indian's already going to come out with something. It takes five years to make a bike, so if they're going to make something, they've already been planning it for Very true. four years. I don't know if it takes them that long, though. They're yeah. smaller, but still. And they outsource to Sweden. <laughs> um, what? But with uh, my thing, though, is that Harley just again, and BMW now has reported negative sales, negative profit for a quarter, um, Right now, Harley's like closing, you know, company. You know, everybody's is gloom and doom. And what do you think about right now this happening? Like that the timing. Well, that's what I meant. The timing of the release right now with everything going on and them being wagged the finger at for going over to Thailand and all this great stuff. And I'm sure these bikes are the plan right now is probably to make them in Thailand, right? I don't know. And I would guess because they said the bikes are going to sell here, they want to make here. So I don't know. That could be, you know, they could actually be trying to make them here. They could be trying to keep, you know, U.S. factories open with these bikes. And that's my guess. I hadn't read a whole bunch of stuff when I did this interview on Monday. And since having read it, uh, I think that the seeing what their plans and having read Harley Davidson's website more carefully and more deeply. Their plan for Asia is to make, they're going to make, they say, 250cc uh, motors over there. I don't know. They're probably going to partner with somebody like they did with their Maki. And they're also, they showed in that video all those electric scooters and stuff. It's probably not going to be for the United States. So the Pan America and the, the new Custom and the Street Fighter, I'm assuming is going to be made here as well. Could. But I, I do imagine there's going to be at least knockdown kits sent a, a, abroad to avoid the tariffs to sell. Yeah. Because they said they're going to be- People are still going to buy them overseas. Like, yeah. And I mean, that was the original India factory anyway, was to build big V-twins and sportsters in India to avoid tariffs. Yeah. 
and Brazil. There's a, there's a plant in Brazil yeah. too. And they uh, the, they say that the Street Fighter is going to start out with the 975 in it, but it's going to eventually get the 1250. But it's also in other countries going to get a 500 and a 750 apparently. Um, or something like that, or maybe even 250 up to the 975 because of those countries' regulations. So they got a whole bunch cool. of stuff planned. Yeah. And obviously those bikes won't make it over here. There's no way Harley's going to have like No a, one's going to buy a 250 Street yeah, Fighter over here yeah. that says Harley. No. The So that was my thing with the Street Fighter is it doesn't need a 975. If anything needs a 975, it's the custom. And you could do both in that. Yeah. Um, and that builds out your Sportster line. How many 883s and 1200s we have now it could be... And here's my thing on the 883 and 1200. People buy 883s, but it's just as fucking heavy. Yeah. It's not any... All you it know, is is a little bit slower when you pull the throttle back. Yeah. Actually, it's a decent amount slower, you know, but still... The Ducati Scrambler and the Scrambler 62, one's a 800 or a 900 and one's a 400. They're 10 pounds difference. Yeah. That's it. And so the only reason... Well, the Sporty, literally, it's probably heavier for the 883 because the jugs are thicker. Like, um, your sleeves are thicker and the aluminum, I think, is thicker, but I think... Because the, the crankcase is the same? I'm 99% sure the crank yeah. is all the same, the stroke is the same, the heads are a little different, but there would be more aluminum in an 883 head. Yeah, just because you have a smaller hole, you got more the, around it, yeah? Some models or some years, maybe all of them, the gear ratios and the training are different. Um, and then like the front pulley on the belt for the final drive is, is different little stupid things like that. But yeah, I mean, it's all like you could convert an 883 to a 1200 by buying a 1200 kit. Yeah. And it, it just goes to stock bore. Yep. Um, so That's- yeah, but I think on the street fighter, you know what, it, honestly, a 975 dual overhead cam water cooled V twin, it needs to be right around a hundred horse. Yeah, maybe more. It depends. Like, I think it needs to be more because you're. It's gonna cost more than nine grand, but it its biggest competition is probably an FZ09. Yeah, and a lot of the bikes that are nine nine nines, like the S one thousand RR, and you know those that's are making a l- hundred and. Well, but that's also a four-cylinder too, so that's going to yeah. be more comparable to your twelve fifty. Yeah, so yeah. You got to think, but think like Ducati Monster or, in a way, the Scrambler. Those are hundred something, right? Those oh, are yeah. at least a hundred something. Yeah, yeah. Mine's a little over a hundred, and it's a ten-year-old two-valve air-cooled motor. So, you they had like when mine was out, they had the S four R that was a water-cooled four-valve thousand, and I'm sure they put the eleven ninety nines in the newer ones. Actually, a kid at work has one of the Street Fighters in the eight, eight forty nine maybe, and it's like a hundred and sixty, hundred and forty. Yeah, yeah hundred and sixty was like a baseline that a lot it, of the. It might not have been that high. Stuff. It's only the eight forty nine, but it was yeah. like one thirty, one forty or something. Yeah, yeah. There was a couple for an eight fifty twins, pretty good. Maybe yeah. it's only one twenty, but still. Yeah, and um, they had the big one. They had the eleven ninety nine or whatever in one. Yeah. Yeah, are you talking about the monster the, like the the street? His is a Street Fighter, but okay. The cool thing with Ducati is like when they do the monsters and the Street Fighters, they really don't detune them much. Yeah, the Street Fighter difference. So the monster is a total different frame, and if I'm not mistaken, the Street Fighter that they quit doing, they only did a few years, was literally the same frame as the street bike with moto bars. 
But when they do the monsters, I'm pretty sure they don't really detune them like no. Honda likes to. <laughs> no, I don't think they do, actually. Uh, you know, speaking of this, too, and, and speaking of Harley moving into an electric uh, world and, and committing to overseas, now that if they're going to be in an Asian market, they might as well try to win over the Asian market and, and make as many things as they can over there to service them but electric bikes are nothing new electric pedal bikes are nothing new and to see them getting on board with all that um jeep and porsche i mean so many car manufacturers and motorcycle manufacturers have already had pedal bikes like yamaha and honda but i think doing a full like the live wire doing a full-size electric motorcycle um in the u.s for for that market they're not the first, but it looks good. So they got a huge leg up on zero. Mm-hmm. Zero, send us a couple free motorcycles to ride for six months and I'll stop <laughs> saying you're bad. Um, they're not bad. They're just fucking ugly. Um, well, and they're not the only. And uh, no one else is company. really around. Yeah. I mean, especially at affordable price range. Like, um, I'm sure the Curtises are pretty pricey, being that they used to be Confederate, which was. 120, know. something like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. No, they are definitely. <laughs> base model um and but yeah, also the, lightnings aren't even on sale yet and the other companies that are coming up are slightly smaller and not quite to market and i'm waiting for polaris to get with their old uh, bramo technology you know and with harley excuse me with harley doing it they might and honestly they could pull that thing into market pretty quickly oh. because it's pretty well a done bike yeah they might update it but the only thing they'd have to update is the uh, the battery technology, and battery technology itself has been being updated. Uh, there's very little. Well, all they, they gotta have to do, do is go to zero or lightning. <laughs> yeah, I mean Harley went to Alta. Yeah, you know they they kind of skipped a lot of research and said, let's go to someone that's doing it. Let's invest in that company. Yeah, and I think that it was probably for the final touches because they have been developing the live wires since 2014, I think, is when the tour, I got offered to go on the tour in 2015, and they already had the bike out. And so, I mean, this is something they've had for the past handful of years, uh, past half a decade working Mm -hmm. on. And it looks good. Like, it's a good-looking bike. Yeah. When it first came out, I was like, I can't believe this. And is I do. I Davidson. think the Street Fighter is also good looking. Oh yeah. I w- You know what? I th- there was a certain certain Buells that I liked, and even EBR when he went on his own. But that and that Street Fighter is like something I wouldn't mind. That and the XR twelve hundred. XBs, man. I'm still yeah. trying to get one. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's and honestly, that bike and the Pan America, but especially that one is why I think just eat crow and hire Eric Buell. Like be like, dude, we're not gonna put your name on the tank. What if he Chill was all the dude, fuck out? I just can't. I can't do this because I fail. He failed basically four times. You know, I don't know if he could take another one. I don't think he failed though. I mean, honestly, how many single people have started a motorcycle company in the last hundred years in the United yeah. States? The thing is, you're supposed to fail up, and I know that's not always possible. But I I man. think his problem to me is he felt like there was a demographic for like he felt like a premium company and but he didn't do anything super premium where when you look at not that they're sport bikes when you look at confederate 
those are premium. They're all billet machine. They're all over-engineered. They're all artistically engineered, like mechanical. Like his EBRs were very nice sport bikes, but for 35 grand, the only people buying your motorcycles are people with enough money that want something no one else has starters. Uh, yeah. And basically because if you want to go teams. to the track, which is what they, I mean, they were street legal, but if you want to go to the track and you got 35 grand to spend, you're going to go buy an uh, R from, from Ducati. Yeah. Or you're going to go buy a CBR thousand or an S 1000 R Beamer and you're going to spend 10 grand on it and go to the track. Yeah. And honestly, people with that kind of money aren't buying sport bikes. The only people that I know for sure bought those and that I had seen with them were race teams. I mean, that was it. And I think Shalina Well, Moreta, and were they competitive as a race bike? Uh, that's a good question because the only place I saw them racing was in the Asian road racing series. Like, in, there was some in China and some in, like, um, Malaysia. And Shalina Moreta actually rode for, I forget the name of the company, but they had their race bike at the last time Buell was at IMS, right before <clears> he went out of business the last time. They brought their bike over that they had raced over in China. And it was like, you know, like the Macau GP, remember <laughs> that shit, like all that cool stuff? It was like stuff like that where they were racing because they're, yeah, they didn't have anything, yeah. enough sp- uh, investors and sponsors I, here. I just, well, and there was, there's... I'm sorry, dude. There's not a class. Would they? There. They ended up being 1175s, something like that. Yeah. And they made or 11. Were they 1125 or 75? When they were Harley, they were 1125. Yeah. But I think, I know he got a lot more power out of them, I but I don't right. know if he punched them out or not. I think it was 1175. I think you're right. So or 1150. But here's the thing about an. We'll just stick to 1125. Here's the thing about an 1125 cc, 60 degree V twin. There is not a race class for it. Like he, and as much as I'm hating on him right now for this, I in a way love him for this. And again, like to me, the XB is one of the best motorcycles of its era, even though it was kind of heavy and didn't really make much power. It was really a nice motorcycle and it was really nice at that price point, like because people could buy it, whatever. But the the EBRs were thirty five grand. They did make like one hundred and sixty. Where the eleven twenty fives when they were with Harley, even though it was the same basic motor, they were probably barely over a hundred horse. But the thing is, like it said, when Eslick won a championship on it, he beat six hundreds with an eleven twenty five four valve water cooled motor, not a push rod air cooled. It's not like he beat him on a fucking XB. <laughs> Yeah. So you're only because AMA let you in a class you shouldn't be in, did you win? Like, if you're gonna build a big dual overhead cam water cooled four valve V twin, and you want to be reputable and you want people, especially racers, to buy it, it needs to be competitive, which means it needs to be whatever CCs Ducati is allowed to run at the time, and then it needs to keep up with Ducati and Aprilia. Yeah. Well, and the folks at Harley-Davidson generally, who was funding him at the time, had just about zero interest after they dropped out of World Superbike in continuing oh, the racing for sure. program. That's probably ultimately why Buell got shuttered. I think he got shuttered because he wasn't profitable. And I, the 1125, I'm, I would almost guarantee no one at Harley... I don't want to say no one because I know there's actually a lot of enthusiasts that work there and I'm sure they loved it, but no one, 
who was looking at numbers on paper, yeah. gave a shit about that bike, and it was probably the opposite. And I think what that was... They probably saw it as a bleeding wound. Oh, absolutely. I think he bit off more than he could chew with that. Not, I mean, not as a technology or project-wise, I think that he could definitely handle. But as trying to step away from Harley-wise, but still being owned by Harley, he bit off more than he could chew. Yeah. And I, so I don't know. Like I said, with that one, it needs to fit a category, and it didn't. And as much as I like not fitting categories, like the thing with a sport bike is they're fucking race bikes, and you need to be able to go race it in a class where people look at it and go, A, it's competitive, and A, it's not fucking cheating. Yeah. So with the new 975, I think they might have, they can race where the Triumph, Day, the Triumph 975 is. The Triumph 975 was a triple. Yeah. And they so might be able really, to run the in- 975, I'd say, could easily slide in a 600 class and get its ass kicked. Yeah. Um, but at least you'd be getting eyes on you. <laughs> yeah. And, and with them killing or with the Japanese wanting to kill the 600 class and go to a naked bike class. That could turn into, if they put a 1250, I don't know what CCs are going to allow to have on a naked bike class. It might be 1,000 twins. See, it used to be really cut dry, and then they changed, they let four-cylinder thousands run, and then Ducati kept upping and upping and upping, and then, of course, now Ducati went to a four-cylinder, so they're back to 1,000 because they're only allowed 1,000 fours. But it, for years, it was a 754-cylinder 1,000cc V-twin. That's why the RC30 and RC45 were 750s. That's why the RC51 was 1,000. That's why Ducati, they had the 916, but I think when they raced it, it was bigger. And then they had the 999 forever, or not forever, for a few years. So, but it, and then when they changed the rules, it, like, like I said, Ducati was a 1099, then it was an 1199, and then I don't know because I didn't yeah. keep up with all the Panagalas. But I've seen a lot of people, even on our Facebook page, that typically hate Harleys and even hate electric bikes, saying, man, like now that they've done it, I can't believe it. Why did they wait so long to make a sport bike? And why did they wait so long to make an ADV bike, given the fact well, that they uh, didn't? They made one fucking 10 years ago. Well, actually, 15 yeah. years ago. And if it hadn't been for Buell, they wouldn't have, but let's, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think because the V-Rod flopped, and I've already expressed my opinions on why oh. that was. So, and I But also, I think that's why they didn't do anything else. Yeah, and I also think that they really did paint themselves into a cruiser corner after almost inventing the bikes that we call cruisers. That, uh, I mean, in a, in a way, almost inventing the bikes that we call sport bikes. No. Yeah. The Japanese invented sport bikes. Sport European. bikes were around way before Japan even thought about building a motorcycle. Yeah, but they were all over in... England. Well, th- and that's even not before true. that, listen, that's not. I'm true. thinking like 1910s. Yeah, I was gonna say because Harley Davidson went to compete in Europe against European motorcycles yeah. in the 1910s. Where mm-hmm. Harley really separated was 1969. Yeah. When Honda came out with the CB750, Harley still had. I think they were racing the XR actually at the time at Daytona and shit, weren't they? Didn't they have XR road road racers at the time? Uh, they had KRs, and then they switched over in the 60s, I think 66? No, maybe before that, to the XR. So yeah. they were, but everyone had, like, because you had basically Triumph and Harley with these uh-huh. shitty air-cooled 750 and BSA, those twins. Three main yeah, players. and then the rule was 750, and that was it. Uh-huh. So, which, so actually what I said about 754 and 1,000 twins, it, before that it was just straight 750. Honda came in with a CB750 four-cylinder, and mm. that's where 
the sport bike and the Harley kind of separated. Yeah. That's when Harley kind of, and then they tried their VR 1000 program for a while. I think Eric had a lot to do with that. That but was all a Buell basically. And then that got trashed in 2000 when it couldn't, uh, it just, it wasn't competitive and it was a big drain on them. It was a lot of yeah. money. Uh, yeah. And, and what I, totally want to do a history hole on this and i really did during the harley versus indian kind of went back and talked about the yeah. krs and the 1000 and how buell got snuck the whole yeah. buell story is incredible oh, i should actually call insane. him up and see if he would want to come on the show and talk about it harley getting into electrics uh and and moving on past uh, the road racing of the 80s and 90s into the future of stuff uh i'm really excited have you seen I have in in my town, and we don't live far from each other. But have you seen those lime colored bikes all over? Yeah, yeah, the bicycles. Yeah. They have them right in Monrovia. And yeah, those, oh, yeah. They got them all over. Yeah, and they're just they end. Up, I see that I see about five of them parked at the same spot, yeah, and I know like, the same uh, person rides it, and then just gets a new one. Oh uh, yeah, you you got to give me your credit card number or something. Yeah, and then when you unlock it, uh-huh. it like it must have a little GPS. Yeah, you get to ride it for X amount of miles or time. I don't. I'm not 100 yeah. percent sure how they work. And then you, but it's got a cable lock that you lock through the wheel and you can just park it anywhere yeah and then people will come and collect it and take it back eventually to the little there's like a it's bike, like a bike station. rack with it yeah, yeah stations says, form yeah and so when i was in san diego i've been all over i've been traveling this summer um a lot and there's bird scooters there's actually lime scooters yeah. and ofo bikes and moto bike or metro bike all over and so this is Harley Harley Davidson getting into the electric bicycle thing kind of hits me because when I was I've been reading a lot about the future of mobility and the future of uh, urban transportation and we've talked about it before the Ford uh, the patent to have an electric bike be part of your car and it's because they're uh, banning uh, we've said this before too. Uh, episode sixty-five, I think, was called "The Germans Are Coming," and we—they're talking about how Germany wants to ban um, gas engines. And now France has a goal to ban them by twenty forty. Which, by the time if you if you're listening now and you don't have kids and you plan to have kids, by the time your kids are somewhere around your age. Uh, they will be saying, hey, in like one or two years, we're... In- They're going to be like, why the hell were you guys driving gas, gas cars? Yeah, what yeah. the fuck was wrong with Everybody you? is going to anti-gas, and they and there's a big push for it, and in China, they're actually moving for a very, very escalated and elevated uh, pace. Like, they're doing it within like the next five years or something yeah. like that. It's incredible. And so I, I've been reading... Uh, I've made several connections online with people in uh, abroad and in China and in the electric market via our friend John that we had on a few uh, episodes ago. And, yeah, the amount of electric bikes coming on, when I saw Harleys committing to those and that side of stuff, and I, I knew it was for Asia, they are just going to clean house with this stuff. And it's like, hey... Uh, when you when you think of all the technology and when we talk about lane splitting, because mm-hmm. that that's another thing that's coming on board is there's a lot of motorcycles that have new lane splitting technology and stuff like that. And everyone's like, oh, only California they do that. But listen, bike smart makers build for the world, right? And so Yeah, so it's it's actually everywhere except the forty nine yeah, states. Like, yeah. California's just world. on par with the rest with of the, the world. Rest of the world. And so there's a lot of stuff that's been coming out and a lot of new safety measures and regulations. And uh, speaking of which, the Ducati, you know, we were talking about this uh, a couple weeks ago, the Ducati smart 
app thing that you can share your app with people, but mm-hmm. you can also share your telemetry if you have the bike that it's paired to. A lot of bikes are coming out with that. And uh, I was just reading this interesting, interesting article about the future of mobility. And this African guy moved to Paris because he was just and, and started this con- company. Um, his name, what's his name? His name is Ross Douglas. And he started a company called uh, like Autonomy or something like that that focuses on f- solutions to help. France as a country banned petrol power by 2040. So Paris has already cut back on allowing gas engines as it is, the city of Paris. But uh, by 2040, they're saying, listen, no no more gas in France, period. So, you know, Europe's going to be on board with that too. So when the live wire to me is no joke. And for people in America, it might have been sort of a um, novelty at this time. But for the rest of the world, man, like they are moving to ban... Um, gas, but that's not banning a certain type of thing for pollution isn't going to clear the congestion. Because as you know, like living in LA too, like you can't get anywhere. We were, we were just having this conversation yeah. last night. When you say something takes you an hour, and I'm talking to our buddies in Wisconsin, they're thinking, oh, so you drove to like uh, Chicago or you drove to like yeah, somewhere uh-uh. in Minnesota. No, I drove not at all. I drove 15 miles down <laughs> yeah. the road. So the. Yeah. Ban- making everything electric is great because we're all sitting there in a huge line and everyone's huffing exhaust and you don't want to do that. That's one thing. But the congestion part is the next thing. So this, the future of mobility things that I've been reading talk about those bikes that, uh, and scooters and all that stuff. And they're talking about if you're a car or motorcycle manufacturer, you want as many people to buy your product as you can. But there's four levels here of the mobility market globally. And the, the first one is... Um, I wrote them down. Let me tell you what they are. The first one is active mobility, which is walking, biking, scooting, and all that shit. And you don't need to own it. You just rent it for a mile or two, however long you need it, and it charges you accordingly. Well, they've actually done that with cars. What's the little system they had? Yeah, they've and they had they did have one when it I lived in San Diego. Kind of went away. Yeah, but uh, I want Toro's not. That's like a twisted road for cars. But it was like no, no. If you needed a truck, you go down and you slide your. It was just like the Lime bike, only a car. Well, yeah, and I saw one where you would literally, like, we were walking by him on the street when we were in Austin a couple years ago for the at first time we went to X Games. And we're just like, I was like, dude, no, you got an app on your phone. Yeah. And you literally go, I want to drive this car, and it unlocks it for you. Yeah. And you get in it, and the keys are in it, and you go drive it wherever you want, and then get out and lock it. And, and it, the next person comes yeah. along, and they can borrow it. So active mobility was the first part, which is the bike shared bikes and scooters and stuff like that. Um, shared mobility was the next thing, things like that. But also with AV, like uh, automated vehicles, my car sit, I work from home. So my car sits in my driveway uh, 95% of the time. I literally drive my car f- le- probably less than 5% of the time that I actually have <laughs> possession of it. And so uh, if you have autonomous cars that can drive themselves around and be shared just like that app, or you can call up an app, you can mm-hmm. call an Uber right now come get you but someday you or soon uber is actually uber waymo and lyft are working on automated cars where you call it up and a driverless car comes and picks you up yeah and that's somebody that you don't have to worry about driving yourself around the car will come get you and you don't have to put wear and tear on your car and neither does the the uber driver and then they're also talking about data analysts and evavs which is electric vehicle and autonomous vehicles and basically, all four of those solutions with the active mobility, shared mobility, data analytics, and EVAV, 
uh, they're trying to like wrap all that shit into one for countries like Paris. I didn't, or, or countries like Paris, cities like Paris, but countries like France. I had no idea that Greece was trying to do the same thing and Germany and uh, a lot of EU countries. And, and America is obviously, we sell our stuff over there too and we import a lot of that stuff. So pretty soon the markets are going to be transitioning. Uh, Germany doesn't even want to make uh, any more gas petrol cars and and as far as like diesel they're kind of like backing off of that too because oh god <laughs> my wife dropped the toothpaste cap down the sink <laughs> nice text to get right in the middle of the podcast <laughs> but uh but yeah they they're they're transitioning away from having to have factories still tooled up for stuff that they don't even want to make anymore so they're they're saying well us if you're going to buy our stuff in the future it's going to be all electric. So the thing is, uh, Harley Davidson and companies like that that have taken this long to change their business models and, and, and finally take into consideration what people want. This is going to be to me like a rapid, a rapid development. And I think Harley's probably been working on it quietly behind the scenes, even though they've been slated to close a production plant here and there. Like you said, I think they're probably going to keep a plant now and introducing these new bikes. And I had no idea how they were going to get there. Remember that hundred bikes in 10 mm-hmm. years, like, I had no idea how they're going to do that. And now I think I see the uh, the writing on the wall. I mean, they're going to be not only introducing this, but in, in five years, I, I can't wait to see the stuff that they're going to be announcing. And so... Going back to the uh, going back to the automakers and motorcycle makers, what they want they want you to buy as many of their units as you can. They love fleet vehicles. They love cities because cities buy fleets. But with the data analytics side of that whole, they're the second tier. What they want to do is get into CITS, which is Cooperative uh, Intelligent Transportation Systems, where shit's talking to each other. Driverless cars drive all around because the the streets are talking to them and they're talking to each other. And then the little guys like us that are requesting them are talking to them. So it's, they're trying to get all that under control. And it's doing one of two things. It's, it's taking shared mobility and making it a thing where now uh, the OEMs are going to be a little bit pissed off because they're not selling as many cars. Because if you can share a car... Uh, you know, if, if, if one city of 30,000 people can get around on 10,000 cars, that's a huge hit. That's a 20,000 unit hit. For yeah, OEMs. but the, I think the problem you're going to run into with that is if it's nobody's car, no one's going to give a shit about it, oh. which might be good for auto shops. And it might be good for the companies too, because their cars are going to basically get destroyed so much quicker. I think it'll be like a city bus. Like, I don't think people will try and take it over and jump it and crash it. Oh, that's true. I guess if it's driving for you, yeah. then it'll be... And they'll see who requested it last, and you're likely to get a bill if you're the last one to yeah, request it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but a city bus, they do get just wear and tear and a graffiti here and there. And yeah, people smoke and they, inside and they of do it. last a long time, so people, I don't know. Hey, and how many drunk? How many drunks? I mean, this dude. Will that would be great. Drastically cut down on drunk drivers. But how would you like your autonomous vehicle to show up and be covered in puke because it didn't know somebody? Oh, I was just thinking, how would I like to be drunk and call an autonomous car? No, that's like, what I'm saying. Take me home. That's what I'm saying. Like it'll drastically cut down drunk driving. But my hope is that it increases at least scooter. But paying someone to clean puke out's oh, a lot yeah. cheaper than anything else. Yeah, and a lot safer. <laughs> I uh, yeah, you'd have to get your little app out, and when the car shows up full of barf, just report it and like request the next yeah. unit. But my hope is that the person's still in it; they didn't even get out. Yeah, <laughs> it just shows up with a dead body in it. You're like, I was oh, just shit. thinking a passed out body, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope that this facilitates 
two-wheel transport. And with that car that Ford was patenting that has a little electric scooter in the front, I hope it makes two-wheel travel. See, I hope that means that the only thing that's going to be one-to-one parity anymore is going to be motorcycles. If you can share uh, a car amongst, let's say, my whole street here, we could share two cars amongst all of us because we all leave at different times. I work from home. I know when everybody leaves and when everybody stays. Yeah. Dude, we could probably get away with carpooling in one car if they if my whole street planned it right. Yeah. And uh, and there's a few families on my street, but they all leave at different times, and the car could come mm-hmm. back. And I mean, it's so crazy to think about it like that, and to go out there and count probably thirty cars <laughs> on my street. You know, uh, like everybody has two, like yeah. we have two in my family, and so. It's interesting that I think, I hope that motorcycles are going to be the one-to-one that you can never, even if you share your your bike or whatever, you usually ride with people for fun and for recreation. So I hope that if shared mobility does become like the wave of the future and like every millennial probably wants to do it because it'll cut down congestion and it'll cut down the number of single user cars on the road, I hope that it increases the amount of motorcycles because everybody, especially with BMW reporting negative right now, a negative market for this quarter, everybody's so worried about motorcycles. Like the give a shift thing made it clear that people have been yeah. worried about it now and they're like... I, I think... It's a step in the right direction for Harley, but I like that they're keeping what they're known for. I want to say good at, but they're keeping what their core is, and that to me is good, but they're also exploring other avenues in case one, their core needs to change or just needs to die you know like i don't see in the foreseeable future in the u.s anyway i don't think we're going all electric motorcycles no or cars for that matter. no anything i think every other place in the world will and we'll be 20 years behind because we always are um well, I, like i said they're gonna stop making them in other countries so we'll have a lot of imports from other countries that are electric only but we'll still have quite a few cars domestically yeah. produced that are gas and again like and a, diesel a problem that we have that other countries don't is as a country we are way more spread out yeah you know if you take the the main 48 of the u.s and lay it over europe how many countries does it take up yeah yeah it's quite a bit so and hey do you think also that like us in iran who are we gonna sell like our gas like the oil producing company countries are just gonna be pit like the think of how many oil companies there are in texas right now and even in long beach you know all those oil drip well oil not only that think of all the politicians in the in washington the that, are, that are and politicians that are affiliated with oil companies yeah yeah i, I mean, mean our, one of the ex-presidents that we had was a friggin' oil and his exec. vp yeah so I mean, it's just incredible to think about what are those countries and what are these companies and all this influence that has had I mean, there's no other resource in the world. There's no gold, uh, you know, gold thing that says, hey, gold and diamonds is too expensive. Let's, but OPEC was formed because mm-hmm. oil was so fucking important to the yeah. world that we figured we had to have OPEC. And you know? just because cars are going electric, if, you know, what's the initiative in Europe to everyone have solar panels and windmills? Mm. So honestly, oil's not going away. No, Africa just, and Russia is going to need it because those we still have well, third world Africa's, countries. Yeah, it's third world continent. Um, Russia's as technologically advanced as they want to be. 
Yeah, but you look at dude. I mean, I, there's videos from this year that still have those cars that you can't destroy from like the 1960s yeah, for sure. that are still running on some weird type of gas that they have. Yeah, to blowing make. black smoke. Yeah, that's just because Russia's government doesn't care. But. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Russia, yeah. the interior of Russia, and yeah. most of the countries on the continent of Africa are going to oh, still yeah. need gas. Yeah, dirty I mean, gas. It'll be like Mad Max in those countries, probably, for sure, fighting over gas. No, I don't. I don't think it's going away. And I don't. The thing with motorcycles being, at least in the U.S., being a luxury item, it's not going away for a while. But it's still good to have those options. Mm-hmm. And honestly, well, uh, like I said about the zeros, I think if you commute every day on a motorcycle, you're not very smart if it's not electric. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, if you and absolutely, if you don't, if you're not commuting like a hundred miles a day, then yeah, that I'd say if, yeah, awesome. if you commute, ten's a little short. Maybe ten miles isn't that big a deal, but if you're doing twenty to fifty or twenty to eighty round trip, then you need an electric bike. It yeah. will pay for itself, and your gas, the maintenance and the wear and tear on your gasoline bike, you will thank yourself. So, yeah. unless I mean, you know, guys have like old beaters that they put it, you know, old Honda. I don't know, VFRs that are, you know, that'll just <laughs> run forever. Right behind you. And, um, the house, you know, so maybe to them, it's like, no, this thing's paid yeah. for. It's one not his, an expensive bike. One of his bikes bike. has like 200,000 miles on it too. Fuck like, yeah, dude, a VFR. Yeah. Those things are, from I mean, what I hear. if you think about it, it's a pretty bomb-proof bike. Like, it's not tuned very hard. It's not, it could think, make way I more power Spamble for 700,000 miles on her. Because I've changed, I didn't have a odo- odometer when I got it, and I've put at least a hundred thousand on. <laughs> <laughs> well, not only that, riding to Vegas and back's like putting fifty thousand on that yeah, thing. Just on this, yeah, put fifty thousand, took fifty thousand off my life. That's yeah. for sure. But so, you know, we're not going to make electric planes either. So we're still going to need fuels for stuff for sh- shooting satellites into I, space. We might for, be working on electric planes too. Oh, shit. Like, think of all the. Uh, I thought you meant Vance and Hines, and I was like, oh <laughs> no. shit. No. Um, think of all the, uh, you know, little drones. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe not long distance jet planes, but um, I'd say for small personal aircraft. Yeah. The way brushless motor technology has gotten in the last 10 years, you know, those things are. Uh, ah, there, there's probably somebody that's tried something like that. Yeah. But we still also use petroleum to make plastic bags, which actually in California are like outlaws now. And straws. <laughs> and straws are Straws are highly illegal. But we still use. This is what bag. I like about the straw thing. Everyone's making fun of it. And I've already seen people selling like titanium and stainless steel straws. Nice. People, are, yeah. Dude. And I've made like little crazy little stabby devices out of three-eighths titanium tubing. And I'm like, and they want you to like carry this. Is it called the insanguinator? Because if you were to stab that into somebody, they could just trickle right I out I think that, that was thing. called the death straw. Oh, <laughs> because think of like, it's a piece of thin wall titanium tubing and you're supposed to like carry a straw with you everywhere that's reusable, right? The ironic part is so... I did so anyway with that. Yeah, okay. So I have a fucking titanium reusable straw. You're ahead of the curve, like, man. Start stab selling. that in someone's fucking <laughs> neck. Are you insane? <laughs> so, but the ironic part is that you drink their blood. So it's at straw. Starbucks now, since you can't get a straw, you got to buy a paper straw wrapped in fucking plastic. <laughs> Which they use petroleum to make, probably. I don't know. I don't know if they so, use it to make. Well, all and that I've used a paper straw uh, when I was in. What is that whole straw thing? Is it because they're not biodegradable or is it because seagulls eat them and then like... Both. It's because okay. a straw got caught in a turtle's nose. And honestly, have been snorting cocaine. Here's the thing too. Like, yeah, 
you usually don't need a fucking straw. But what I really think it is is what happened last week that they didn't want us to hear about. Trump got <laughs> elected again. So that's what I think happened. But, um, yeah, supposedly <laughs> we throw away like 10 billion straws a year or something. So is it a problem? Yeah. But is it a no. part of a bigger problem in that our society, we're just fucking wasteful and we throw oh, shit in the wrong yeah. places? Yeah. Um, and that being said, too, I think I heard something the other day, like the amount of plastic that we actually throw away is way less than places like China. Who's oh, China, probably. You know what I mean? So it's go like. T- go tell it to the trash heap that's as big as the state of Texas that's floating out yeah, there in right. the friggin' Pacific Ocean. So, no, I'm totally for banning straws. I think it's funny. I don't know. There's a lot of I stuff only funny use, about I it. I only but. use a straw to drink out of containers that have a little hole that I can't stick my lips into yeah, without right? a mosquito. <laughs> yeah. But, so. Um, hey, other news, because we're getting, wow, we're, we're filling up this hour pretty nicely. Yeah, right. Thank you so much, Wiggs, for coming over here. Um, I have to be up at four in the morning to yeah. go to the airplane. How did you even get here from Germany? I mean, your voice <laughs> just transported over here, and I don't right? even know how. I'm in Virginia right now. Hey, for if sake, all but. goes well, I will be driving on the Norskliff in about 48 hours. Dude. So you talked your wife that's, into it, huh? Yeah. That's <laughs> Let's the, get the baby out the there Nürburgring. on the Norskliff No, no, no. It's, um... Yeah, so Nürburgring, and then the actual old track is called the Norskliff or something. Yeah, Nor- it's the hard, I can't even pronounce it. Yeah, it's probably Norskliff. I have it memorized from the hours of No, Queen so Turismo I've been playing it I- every night this week in Forza. <laughs> I don't, I have like three corners remembered. Um, Dude, a Gran Turismo and so Tourist Trophy, that was my favorite yeah, track. We got a, um, a hotel or something like 15 minutes from the track. So okay. we're going to go there. We land Friday morning. We're going to go directly over to that town, see if I can't figure out how to sign up. It's only open for an hour and a half on Saturday. So I got to be there like a little before it opens. Yeah. It'll take you a, a half an hour just to drive it, probably, right? I mean, a lap on that, <laughs> a fast lap on that thing is 15 minutes. <laughs> no, a fast lap's like in the sixes. No. Yeah. No it's, way. it's only 13 miles. Oh, is it like the old one? I thought, yeah. Anyway, maybe I was way off. Maybe but I'm going to be driving it in a Peugeot or BMW station wagon with yeah. a stick. Maybe so. maybe I shouldn't have driven it on Spamalo when I was playing Tourist Trophy. <laughs> <laughs> I've been playing it in like uh, uh, whatever. I totally gonna like just GT twos. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's like seven thirty. Yeah. But I'm like, and I don't. Maybe I have. I'm gonna want to so drive long. slightly spirited, but I also want to enjoy. Yeah. And and get the views. Oh yeah, you can't drive. I'm gonna that. drive one handed and record some with my phone, of course, too. Yeah. I won't be able to IG live it because no uh, no reception in the in the German. But so yeah, I want to be able to do like a little video where I'm like kind of cruising around. So I am I gonna have fun with it though? Yeah. And the car's a stick. It's a rental, but in Germany, it's real hard to get automatics as it should be. Speaking of stick, are you going to eat some schnitzel and some beer while you're there? Yes, that's the plan. Yeah. As much local cuisine as I can, especially brats and sauerkraut. Since I'm here in Virginia, I think I might go check out the National Mall tomorrow and probably check out the old uh, Lincoln Memorial, (laughs) you know, all the fun stuff that they have in Virginia. No, we're going to go also to uh, some of the other weird stuff that they have as far as like weird... In the mountain, like old, yeah. old, weird stuff that's still there from 
I'm excited though. It'll be fun. Yeah. And then even like I'm just excited to go to Germany in general. Um, I want to see like some of the old like World War II era like areas, um, just like stuff that you've seen in photos and textbooks. But I don't think we're going to see a lot of yeah. that. You'll be. Uh, we're gonna see some castles. Hey, um, what city are you gonna be in? We fly into Frankfurt and then Nurburg or whatever cities like right by Nurburg, and then we're going back down close to Frankfurt. And then we're basically just kind of zigzagging up, working up our way up to Copenhagen, Denmark. And then we're flying back out of Copenhagen. Sweet. So Buy it's like pretty that. well every night's in a different area. Yeah. If you're in... We're studying... Well, we... I'm not studying, but we're studying the Grimm brothers and Hans Christian Andersen. Yeah. Boy. That's so, awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. There's a there's a lot to see in that part of the world. And I, I'm totally envious. Um, I haven't when been... I think, uh, a lot of my family's German, uh-huh. which is weird because I know my last name is English. Yeah, and my grandma's family, because that's who's the one that like knows more about our family history, is actually more Italian. How funny! But I think my grandpa, my dad's side, I think his family was more German. But again, that's where the last name is at, and that's an English last name. So yeah. I really have no fucking clue. Yeah. Do you know what Turdman is? <laughs> very unique it's very american <laughs> it's very american it was a uh, an american laboratory name actually <laughs> uh yeah so hey with that we're gonna get out of here i do have some news the cerberus moto auction is closed closing today if you're hearing this on friday um and today this should be friday uh so check your stuff um hopefully i won some stuff well i'll see i can't tell the future and right now i'm in the past so weird to think about so anyway that and uh coming up here in a few weeks wigs and i we are i I have to say this for full disclosure right now we're working with uh the fellows at moto preserve right now we're testing their app and uh if you want to go and check it out it is they gave us a little free edition here to check out and, and see what we can do with it and i was looking up some of the features and on it you can track they, they got sick of tracking bikes on pen and paper like you know a luddite would so what they did is they went ahead and be like me and just not change your oil oh, there you go yeah they, you know how to track it right it's the easy way to do it um, why do you think my tires are 25 years old <laughs> it's easier not to have to keep track of that but if you if you do want to be safe and track it um, and you got multiple bikes or you're doing a build and you have a deadline and you can't even remember what parts or you don't even remember how you took something apart the Moto Preserve app has uh, tracking. You can list your bikes. Um, I haven't started trying to use this feature yet, but apparently it's linked to OE sites. Like uh, I don't know if it's like a, sort of a bike bandit thing. I'll get back to you on this once I've fooled around with it a little bit more. But you can uh, look up OE part numbers and see the availability um, through an online uh, partner with that. And then also you can take pictures and you can uh, track how you took something apart and how you you had to put it back together. So if if you're like me and you take something apart and then it sits for five months while you're either waiting for parts or money to come in, usually I'm waiting for money to come in, (laughs) and then so I can wait for parts to come in. But five months later, after it's been moved around your garage 14 times so you can get your kayak and your boat and your uh, bike and everything else out for the summer, and then you're like, I'll work on this come wintertime, and then there's 18 pieces laid out or you totally took the carbs apart and you don't remember how they go back 
together. Voila, this thing has pictures for you to document and you can post it to social media so that your friends can see how much of a slacker you are. And Ty from Lucky Wheels, actually, uh, he's going to be sampling it too. And he's like, you know what? One feature they should put on there, like it connects with your social media. And I was like, yeah, he's like, they should have a function where your friends can shit post you if you're like not, if you're just like letting it sit or if you're like doing something stupid or like not working on it. And it should guilt you. Like it, it should just shit post you every every uh, like four or five days if you haven't worked on it like if you've got a project just sitting there it should throw out a social media post telling your friends what a chump you are for for not working on it so we'll be uh hopefully we'll get them on the on the show they're they're pretty busy and this is their side hustle so they're out doing stuff um so hopefully after i test this out a little bit and wigs test it out and lucky wheels test it out we can get them on the show talk about moto preserve a little bit if you want to go check it out i think you can grab it in the itunes store right now and you can uh, give us feedback on it too and help them build a better app and uh wigs you are not gonna be at the uh what's that thing going on in san francisco on the, at the on the wharfs the freaking no, flat track not gonna be there brian honeycutt though is gonna be going up there who is the uh yeah but he's not me He's not you. People he- named Wiggins don't do RSD races. Oh, Brian, you're gonna have to become part of <laughs> part of our listener uh, shout out crew up there. Maybe maybe we'll we'll get in touch with you. You can tell us uh, exactly how it went down and how you placed and all that stuff. It looks but, like uh, it'll be fun, but honest, I don't know, dude. What if you drive off the end of a pier? Nah, maybe that would suck. It's on a pier. The thing right? is, they're doing it on the pier. Those races are usually. Rough. All right, that's all we have time rough. for. <laughs> and it's on pavement. It's going to be sketchy. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. It's a concrete race. And Not guys in- named Chris Wiggins yeah. don't. They should. So, Brian that. Honeycutt, you, you tell us how it's going. Uh, and also, Brian, your letter is in the mail. Uh, sent it off already uh, the day I told you I would. So, But I noticed that our mail hasn't been getting picked up regularly around here. So I don't know about that. Patrons, thank you so much. Thanks for supporting me and Wigs. And uh, if you want to yeah. be, become a patron, go to www.patreon.com forward slash creative writing and uh, sign up for the $10 level. You'll get a cool CD of uh, Junkie Turdman Originals. And um, I'll even paint you a stupid picture on the front of it. Sign up for the $100 level and say it's to buy Wiggins tires. Yeah, it's 150 <laughs> so you wish we should be able to afford a tire off of that. But uh, also, if you just want to uh, support Wigs, go to Field Initiative Knives on Instagram or just PayPal the dude a couple hundred bucks. I mean, actually, yeah, both of those sound great. <laughs> yeah. Hey, PayPal whoever you want is, or Venmo them as is, is much money as you want. That's my, uh, I compel you to do that for this episode. Oh, and uh, I think we talked about everything that's coming up. Um, are you going to any of the Sturgis stuff? No, I'm going to be in Germany. Yeah, I, I know. I mean, it's, it's like literally. Come, yeah, no, I was, I would I would have had to leave tomorrow morning which is when I'm flying out for and I I honestly like I didn't make it a priority because of X Games and because of the 115th in Milwaukee and then all of a sudden I saw there were five races in five days yeah four for me and there's like in four days and there's like a three and I'm like hooligan cup or something yeah guess who's sponsoring that somebody that you probably won't be going to the uh, the event no but I go to work there every day and I didn't know they were sponsoring it they don't like there's such a disconnect (laughs) <laughs> anyway, whatever. Well, um, and it looks like they're having a tracker cross, like Rusty Butcher. That's got part of one of the triple yeah, crowns. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's a Jack Pine Gypsy race, and yeah. then there's the tracker cross, and then there's the 20th Century Racing. Brittany yeah. Olson, who does all the vintage stuff. Yeah, I, I dig her. And I, then I want to have her on the show. 
Yeah, she's rad. I know her a little bit. Um, and then there's the Black Hills Half Mile with the pros. And then there is the um, RSD one on yeah. Wednesday. Is that the Buffalo Chip? Yeah. Yeah. So I think if, I think they should do the Half Mile with the pros, literally. And I think they should require the pros to run two pounds of pressure in their tires and then let the hooligans do whatever they want. Oh. oh, oh no! What are you doing? No, oh, that that's not connected. This oh, okay. Computer. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Blame the computer. Yeah. So all right, everybody, we're out of here. Yeah. See, this is in here. Oh, and <laughs> fucking computer. And that's it. I don't think I have anything good. Me neither. And all I'm right. not good. That's here's your latency now. Yeah. This is my sign off. I sound to me. I sound like a. Yeah. It got worse. God. The echo got worse. All right, folks. We're I'm glad they can't hear it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye. All right, everybody. This is the Junkmeister coming to you here at the end of the show. I'd like to throw a big shout out to all of our patrons and uh, reconcile a couple of mistakes that I made earlier. Kind of a jerk move going off the top of my head to recognize patrons, but here we go. And if I missed you, uh, that means you're not a patron. Uh, I'd like to recognize Chad Klink. Thank you so much. Chris Geis. Thank you. Um, Chris actually is, I believe, uh, one of the members of the Throttled podcast. He recently came on. Uh, thank you to Corey T., Jerry F., Lance P., Molly S., Matt from My Motorbike Obsessions, Nerissa, Paul S., Rob P., and uh, of course, if you want to become a patron, go to www.patreon.com. I'm trying to think of some new stuff, actually, that I uh, will let the patrons know what's happening, what's coming out. Also, checking into the uh, some of the claims that we made on this show, I did want to say that the, um, the R1200s are... Uh, about twenty thousand bucks for the GSA. They are about seventeen thousand. I was right. I was. I said sixteen nine. They're sixteen eight for the uh, what's it called? The regulars. And also weight wise, yeah, I was. I don't know why I said like the GS is nine hundred pounds. There's no way. But turns out that the uh, Africa Twin is like five oh eight, and the GS is. Uh, I want to say it was five thirty eight. So not a whole bunch of difference between an 1100 and an 1170. And I'm interested to see if Harley's comes out to be 700 pounds. So, all right. You guys have a good weekend. Fart in your face later.